everywhere you go on social media, you're being pitched how easy it is to become an entrepreneur and how easy it is to make a million dollars a year working two to four hours per day. I'm tired of seeing this. And if you are too, I want you to tune into today's episode. The path to entrepreneurship is not easy. If it were, everyone would be doing it. I want you to think about that for a second. If it's as easy as everyone is making it out to be, why is there constant chatter on social media about how easy it is? The path to entrepreneurship is challenging, but the rewards are worth the challenges. It is not a straight line. Sometimes you need to have two, three, four businesses before you get to the one that you're supposed to be doing. I brought in a guest today. His name is Jason Wright. And we're going to talk a lot about this and his journey. He actually started as an entrepreneur, went to corporate, started another business, and then went back to corporate again. You're going to hear all about his story. I really love how honest and open and raw Jason is with his story. He's got a passion for helping real estate investors and other entrepreneurs with their sales funnels. He's got a really, really great business now. You're going to hear all about it. And I want you to hear how he talks about timelines for success and for your business. Let's get straight to the episode. Jason, welcome to the W2 Prison Break Show, man. Look forward to having this conversation with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Just the, the name of your show makes me uh, excited to talk to you today. Awesome. Yeah, we were chatting a little bit offline. Uh, we're going to get into the business that that you're in here at some point in this conversation. But before we do that, this is the W2 Prison Break Show. We all love to hear stories about people who have been in corporate, have been in nine to five jobs and left. And you've got a great story. So let's dive into that. Like, what were you doing before you got to the point of being an entrepreneur? Yeah, so it's funny. I have to back up just a, a tiny bit before that. So real quick story. When I was 14 years old, my passion in life that time was fishing. I was kind of come full circle, kind of back there. But my mom got to a point one day. I was like, hey, mom, the new Bass Pro Shop catalog came. You got to see this new gear. And she's like, we're done buying gear. I was like, well, what, do you, what does that mean done? She's like, I'm not going to spend any more money on your hobby because you have more than anybody we know. And I was like, you haven't seen the new stuff. She goes, I have an idea. You go make your own money. You can buy all you want to. So within the cul-de-sac that I lived in, there was three homes where they never kept the grass up. So I knocked on three doors, got three accounts, and I started making 75 bucks a week. And I was buying all the fishing tackle you could possibly believe. So that's when I was younger. We fast forward, we get through high school, we get out of high school. Between my senior year in college, my freshman year in college, I was working at um, a place called Indie Lube, an oil change place, six bucks an hour, nasty, filthy work. And I was like, this sucks. I got to be in every morning early. I got to stay late. My checks are terrible. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to start cutting grass again. So I start cutting grass again, same neighborhood, but I have a truck and a trailer and stuff, you know, compared when I was younger. And I start building this business and then college starts and I build this thing all through college. And I get to a point where Matt, who's my wife now, you know, my serious girlfriend and her family and my family were kind of pressuring me, like, what's the career path look like? Right. And I was like, where, where's the people that tell them there's another choice? Cause I know there is right. And I had people who had built giant landscaping companies I knew. So I reluctantly shut it all down. I remember sending out the letters to my clients to finish school, and get my degree and never felt right. 
it felt, I was like, this is not, this is not feel good. So I went through corporate about seven years. I was in HR, I was in sales. I was even in some safety roles. And the last company before I quit corporate the first time was, um, a well-known company, if I said it, you you'd probably, you might know it. I won't say it, but it was a family-owned company. And the guy who started it uh, was worth about $300 million. Mm. And the thing that always struck me about this guy, he wasn't a very nice guy, right? He always had an agenda. He treated people poorly who he didn't like, blah, blah, blah. And I remember going, man, surely if this guy can build that kind of business, I can work from home on my own terms and pay my bills. That's all I want to do. I just want control over my time. I don't like getting up early. Uh, I don't want to commute anymore. Surely I can do it. So somehow I get my wife on board that we're going to throw the benefits in the trash and the income. And I'm going to start these neighborhood magazines. The company, you know, I told her I was leaving and they actually gave me benefits for an extra month. They're like, we're entrepreneurs. Good luck. So I made it about 18 months, had to go back to corporate, didn't have any money, had nothing to show for it. And then when I came back, I never had stopped trying to build what I was doing because I knew it was possible. It's like, I know a lot of people have done this. They're not smarter than me. Surely I can figure this out. It took about, uh, you know, another year, year and a half. And, uh, was able to make enough money consistently online was like kind of matching the full-time pay. And it wasn't a lot of full-time pay. So it wasn't a ton of money, but my wife's like, this is never going to stop. Like, let's see what she can do. And we quit corporate about six years ago for the last Wow. Okay. Couple things that really re landed with me was, and this is very common, is you when you were talking about leaving your first job, the three hundred million, the guy with the three hundred million bucks, you didn't really talk about money. You said uh, time and freedom. Hey, I didn't like doing all this stuff. You you just said, hey, I, I only I just want enough money to pay my bills. How important is that? Was that to you over the money, and was that the driving force? I think, I think my thought was if I can get in a situation at home where I can at least cover the bills, like I'll figure out how to increase beyond that. But that's like milestone one. Like yeah. that's the most important thing in the world. Cause I feel like a caged rabbit animal animal. And I've got to get out of here. It's got to end. No amount of money can make this go away because I was not born to dance to the beat of somebody else's drum. I can't, I can't even take it seriously, especially now. It's like when other people tell me what to do, I'm just like, I just like kind of smile at them. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. No. How yeah. about now? So you could have 10 x my income and it, it wouldn't have changed anything. It would have been cool for a month, but then I'd have been like, wait, I still hate my life. This sucks. This still sucks. So the money is a, a distraction that corporate throws at us to, to make us stay in our position. And I wouldn't, wouldn't going to do it anymore. Beautifully said. The second thing that jumped out at me was your wife, girlfriend, then wife, the support that she, she, the, and the belief, how, how important is that? Well, let me clarify. I, I don't know that it was supporting in belief at the time. I think it was more, if I don't give in, I'm never going to hear this. It's never going to stop. Like mm -hmm. I'm either going to get on board or I'll leave. My personality is such that when I get focused on something, I get obsessed with it. And it's not, I would say it's in an unhealthy way. In my mind, it's like, there's got to be a way to make this work. And we're going to do the 10,000 light bulb test. We're going to try this. If it doesn't work, tweak a little bit. We're going to figure this out. Yeah. And I think she recognized that. And I think she knew that it was so important to me. I wasn't stopping till I got there. So I don't know that it was support. I think it was like, 
I might as well get out of the the way of this this stream of his focus because it's going to be real, it's going to be exhausting for me if I don't. Yeah, I think something yeah. that's real important to me though. Giving some giving you kind of a push forward too. Right? Yeah, that's 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 important to have that for sure, and not the opposite, which is well, like, hey, we need benefits. You know, stay in your stay in the job. Okay, all right. So you you said you went back to corporate, like continue with with the story because you you didn't end up with the landscape business. So continue with the path. This is super interesting. Yeah. So I lived, uh, just like I said before the show, I lived in central Indiana my whole life. I just moved down to Georgia last year. The landscaping, there's two problems with it. And I recognize this even as a, a young guy, 17, 18 years old, uh, there's a seasonality to it. All right. If you want to push snow, insurance is super expensive. And in the Midwest, especially central Indiana, it's not guaranteed. You may not get a a snowfall that you can make money with for two or three years in a row. So it's not a good thing to bank on. And you're at the mercy of the rain. So if you get a really dry year, guess what? Grass stops growing. So I was like, I need something that gives me location freedom that isn't seasonal, that isn't dependent on the weather. So the first thing I ever did online to make money was um, way back in the day, I was actually on Craigslist. I was rewriting articles and basically stuffing keywords for SEO before the Google algorithm got smarter. And I made a guy paid me a hundred bucks to read these 10 articles way back in the day. So I knew you could make money online legally and ethically, but what got me out of corporate was a site called Upwork. So it's the world's largest freelance marketplace. I had come up with this, this idea. I'd woken up out of a sleep one night and I said, intentionally inspiration. I don't know what it means, but it's going to change our life. And it's the brand that we do business as now. Upwork was a place where I would go. I would want to write and blog about quitting the nine to five. I'd learn a little bit of marketing to get my message out there. And then I would notice other people like looking for help in the same simple marketing things. So I originally started going there to write blogs and copy and things like that. But I noticed a bigger demand and bigger, you know, more money to be made with the marketing stuff. I have no marketing degree, but as I taught myself, I would say, hey, Brian, I don't know how to do this, what you want, but I'll figure it out. The amount of money you want, we'll get it done. And people would say, yeah. So I got kind of on the job training and I started to see this monthly demand for different types of marketing just steadily increase. So I leaned into it and you know, we've, we're doing a degree of that to this day. Nice. Would you recommend, so you were getting clients on Upwork sort of on the cheap, it sounds like, just to learn and to figure yeah. out what what their needs were and get on the job training. Yep. Would, do, would you recommend that now to somebody who who might, who maybe is looking to start a side hustle and get out of their nine to five? I mean, it's an option. Um, I think that landscape's changed a lot. You know, there's a lot more fees, a lot more competition. Some countries don't even let you make a profile because they've decided they've got enough. So it's changed. Um, you know, here's the thing to think about businesses of all sizes, and I much rather work with entrepreneurs and big corporate companies, but there's always demands. Uh, there's always demands for marketing, there's demands for consulting. There's things that are never going to go away. So instead of trying to invent something new, like I did for years and I couldn't figure anything out, just find something that aligns with your values and your skills that you can step into. It's already proven and just do it your way. Just do what you say you're going to do under promise and over deliver simple things will take you a long way for sure. Excellent feedback. Okay, on your with your marketing business on Upwork, what what was the timeline before you, you know, turned it into something where you started charging more and yeah. what did you start to figure out? Like what were some key learning lessons there? 
Well, there's certain things that I figured out in marketing that I hated to do. So SEO, I don't want anything to do with the pay-per-click ads. I don't want anything to do with it. So it's like, if you don't want to do something and the whole point is to do what you want and lean into your interests, then you can just be like, I don't want to do that anymore. As click funnels kind of got launched and became big in the industry, the sales funnel is something I learned how to build and speak to and teach at a high level right as it was getting in popularity. So I was like, man, I'm used to making $250 a job, but this person will pay me $5,000 to go to sales funnel. I'm like, holy crap, this could change. This could change everything. So we really figured out kind of our value, teaching customer journey and helping people set up these sales funnels. And we went back to corporate the second time I was selling publishing packages, selling cars at CarMax. And the last thing I did was sell mortgages. Other than mortgage company, I remember like two weeks into the month, my wife's like, you've made more money with your business than you've made in corporate in years since you quit the first job. And then she was like, time to quit and let's see what she can do. So we started building up a reputation on Upwork and building that demand. And it was never the plan. So I tell people it was never the plan. It's not a pretty story. The first two and a half or three years was a lot of getting your face kicked in. So, and I, and the strange thing is, and you may have seen this too, a lot of family and friends, quote unquote friends, really like rooted for my failure publicly, right? It was like, hey, if everybody could just quit their job, don't you think they'd all do it? I was like, that's not how it works because people like you would rather hold people like me back so you feel better about you. So yeah. it, was, it was not a uh, fun or easy journey, but there you go. Yeah, nobody, I, I, that has happened to me. That did happen to me and, and it's still does at a distance because I don't allow that in. And I just look at it. I think a lot of people are fearful, fear, fearful of that, Jason. And that's one of the reasons they don't do yeah. what they're thinking in their head. Like, I think a lot of us have woken up in the middle of the night. Hey, I got this great idea for a business, but I don't want to look stupid. Yeah. And I don't know if you have any additional thoughts on that, but I, I think that really stops a lot of people is this perceived, this perception that people are going to drag us down or, or make fun of us. And I just say, Hey, if those people, if I don't know anybody that would do that, they do that. This is a great way to end that relationship. Yeah. It's, I do have some thoughts. So it's funny because here's what it boils down to. It's the fear of judgment, right? But listen to what I'm about to say audience, because this will set you free. The same people are going to judge you, whether you do or don't quit your job, the judgment's already there, right? So you know, life's too short to be miserable. Do you want to live your life because that's what you think other people want you to do, which makes no sense, by the way, or would you rather take some control, right? And let's not set the goal. I'm going to go make $10 million a year. Let's set the goal. How about you get some control over your day? If you like to stay up till 1am like me and start work at 10, you can't probably do that working for somebody else, but you can for yourself. And if it's important enough, you're willing to put yourself out there until you get it. So here's the other thing. A lot of people who quote unquote were concerned for us would say this, what are you going to do about insurance? Guess what guys? You just go to marketplace and buy your own. It's not hard, right? It's not cheap. You just go to a website and hit checkout. It's like going to Amazon. It's easy. What are you going to do about taxes? Uh, you're either going to get a CPA or a bookkeeper or both or do it yourself. You're going to use software that tells you what to do and pay your taxes. It's not hard, right? People create these limitations. They project them onto you and tell you why you can't do it. Those are the easiest damn things in the world to do. There's nothing hard about it. Okay? Obviously, if you don't put any tax money aside, you may not enjoy tax time, but there's IRS can put you on payment plans. There's still a solution. You're not going to prison. So 
all these things you hear, it's crap. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought up the health insurance thing because it's it's completely ridiculous. What a reason that people will stick with their nine to five. And that is, yeah. you know, that that is just part of the corporate brainwashing in my in my opinion. Hundred percent right. 401ks. I mean, talk about a prison for your money right there. I mean, it, it's, mm -hmm. and they keep you there. So I love that you brought that up because I tell people all the time, like I pay the same amount in health insurance for the same exact coverage than I was employed. And I had the same fear, like, oh, I'm going to have to pay $10,000 a month to have health insurance. And nothing could be further from the truth. Right? We're, we're joking here a little bit, but this is important because again, it doesn't, I always say that the people who are projecting onto you, they really don't care about you. They're, they're, as you said, they're projecting their fears onto you. Hey, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Well, I'm not you. So, but thanks for the advice. Yeah. It's interesting. The people with the most to say are always the ones that have never done it. So a little bit different, but when we were moving down here to Georgia, I had so many people back home that were like, oh my God, it's really hot there. I'm like, you've been to St. Mary's, Georgia? Like, no. I was like, you've been to the Georgia coast? No. It doesn't feel any different here than it does in Indiana. That's the truth. And the reason why is we get an ocean breeze. So for the people that tell me how it's going to be, whether it was in entrepreneurship or living here or whatever else, the people that are the loudest are always the ones with zero experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I had a neighbor when I started this business that told me his great concern. And I hope he hears this. And I wouldn't trust that guy running a lemonade stand for me. No business sense at all. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's super important to bring this up. I mean, if you're going to start a business, ask someone like Jason, ask someone like me, ask someone who's actually started a business and can tell you all this stuff that we're talking about right now and be real with you too and tell you that, hey, this isn't going to be easy, yeah. which, is, which is exactly what you're not saying. This isn't easy. And you're also talking about, I want you to talk about this as well. We're talking years here. All right. So you're the timeline for you, and we're still not where you are right now fully. How long is this? How long is this taking? What do you think is a realistic time time frame for a brand new entrepreneur to consider if they've never done it before? It's a great question. And I'll tell you why. Sometimes people will say, What would you have told yourself? What advice would you have given yourself if you could go back eight years? Yeah. And this is gonna be hard because you have to know I'm not a patient person at all. Right. And maybe it's because I grew up, I was born in 81. And as we got into technology in the nineties, we got stuff now, 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 but yeah. uh, the timeline is unknown. So if your timeline is, I have six months to make this work, it's not a good idea, right? Start your side hustle while you still have your day job. Do not jump off and try to figure it out with two or three months of savings in the bank like I did. Cause guess what? It didn't work. Spent all the money and I had to go back. So it's stupid, but you can't just pick a timeline and think it's going to work. The timeline's unknown. We had very, very slow and rocky progression with our business for years. And two years ago was kind of a breakout year. And last year was on another level, but there's no way I could have foreseen that. That could have happened 10 years down the road, or it could have happened year two. You just don't know. So the timeline is unknown. And I need you to hear me very carefully when I say that, because if you put a timeline on it, you may be putting your, you may be setting yourself up for, for failure in that regard. Okay. Very important. I've never heard anyone say the timeline is unknown. And I think I agree with that, Jason. I, I, I do it. I'm not just saying that because you're a guest on the show, but you really don't know. You can have targets and goals. I'm sure you have that, but yeah. you really have to be okay with like, hey, if I don't hit this in this period of time. 
you said something about your your business, I guess your hockey stick moment, for lack of a better phrase. What occurred in that period of time that led you up to that to that point that that you could share with us today? Yeah. So up to before that point, what I was doing is I was doing the sales funnels for anybody that would pay me, right? It was it wasn't cheap or anything like that, but not crazy expensive. But I would serve these different industries from service based e-com and pretty much anything, even physical products at times. And then when I niched down, real estate investors is who I mostly work with now. And I, I looked at this industry because I had worked with a few of them, like I got a referral and another referral. And I started saying, what solutions do you guys use? Like if we would have never spoken, what are you guys using? I saw a big gap, a big blue ocean for what I do. So what I did is I built an offer for the next person that was in real estate and I listened and I took feedback and I tweaked it. Now we've worked with almost 170 people in two years in that industry. So our offers evolved seven times based on actual feedback and getting from the people I'm targeting. So once I went super, super niche and I didn't really have any competition at the time, we have some now, but uh, it, it was just an opportunity for us to run and it worked, so. Got it, okay. Niching down, we hear this all the time. I think it's it can be a bit of a, a of a trap, especially for brand new entrepreneurs because they're trying to do it in the beginning, which is a big no no for me. Same. So it's okay to go broad. You you said that. Yeah. Start broad because it's going to give you the greatest chance of getting opportunities. Because the game with the niches, it's almost a chicken or egg thing. I talk to people about it all the time. If you just try to pick a niche out of the blue and make that your your focus, it may not work out for you. You may have nothing to show for it. Start broad and based on the experiences you have with clients, you'll start to find that niche that's interesting and maybe where you have a leg up. So the niche is actually a journey. And we're actually this year going back to where we started. We still have a really good hold on this real estate investor market with active campaign with what we do. But if you have an own a construction company and you have a need to nurture leads, guess what? Our value will help you as well. So we're back to the place of saying we have all this success here. Let us help you. And if we find another industry that's really, really lucrative and there's not somebody doing it the way we do it, we have another another industry. So we're actually going back broader for that reason while taking nothing away from those real estate investors. I love it. It's a journey. Niching down is a journey. I think if you combine those two with your timeline, the unknown timeline, you can really get whatever whatever you're looking for from a lifestyle standpoint, which yeah. you you're, you clearly have now because you're in you're in a location that you want to be in that allows you to do the stuff you love to do. You talked about a little bit of a scalable business, right? Location and scalable. What are some of the things that you've done in your business to get to that point where it's automated and super scalable? Yeah. So for me, I, I told myself the lie that the big money with what I do, marketing automation was with the custom work, right? I could charge more for custom work. Problem is I can't scale it. The way my brain works is not the way that the people on my team's brains work and they find this stuff boring. So the money is not in the custom work. It's in the stuff we can templatize. If we templatize some offers and we say, Hey, if you want to tweak it, we can only about 8% of people make any real custom changes worth mentioning. So when you have a templatized fulfillment process and, and digital product offering, I can teach other people to fulfill. And when I step out of fulfillment, it's ultra scalable. And that's what, that's what happens. So I, I couldn't be, I couldn't be that guy. I couldn't be the go-to for everything at all. 
you said 8% only change the template, which means that you're on point with your, with your metrics, with your KPIs. All right. So that's awesome. No need to, no need to change that. You, I'm just curious if you stepped away from your business for a couple of three weeks, maybe a month, what would happen? Well, if I stepped away, I say payroll, my wife, I could teach my wife payroll in 10 minutes, but she could keep running payroll. The team could keep chugging. I do do our sales and do, do our marketing. I love the sales. I'm an extrovert. I'm a people guy. Sales can still roll in without me, but new business calls go through me now. So yeah. it's not totally set up to run without me, but I, I'd lose my mind if it didn't. <laughs> if I didn't have something to do, I would. I, I can't sit still. So, but those are the areas that would hurt. The, the important part is the customer service and the fulfillment would keep going, which is really, really important. Huge. And probably the stuff that you're doing is what you enjoy doing. I would, I would assume like that's your, that's your jam. You just said extrovert and you love talking to people. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit more about, cause you've got this cool, you talk, talked about real estate investors. We kind of just glazed over it about who you're helping. What are you specifically helping real estate investors do? And, and again, how did you, I know that you hold your clients, but how did you come up with this like super targeted niche? Yeah. We work with real estate investors who are looking to raise capital for deals. So if they're raising money for syndications or funds, I mean, any asset class, self-storage, multifamily, short-term rentals, flips, wholesaling, well, wholesaling wouldn't be one, but anything, um, we work with a program called Active Campaign, a competitor of that's HubSpot, but it is a great CRM and a great marketing automation tool. People are basically hiring me and my US-based team to set that up for them, train them on that and support them for life with that. So that's what the offer is. Uh, it's exactly what they need. Helps them with uh, investor prospects, helps them with their active capital raises and keep it in touch with the people that have already got in their database. The way that I got the idea is uh, you may have heard of Hunter Thompson, Raise Masters, ASIM Capital, good friend of mine. I was in Raise Masters with, with him. I helped him with his quick bundles and active campaign years and years ago and helped him with some things. And he invited me out to LA to speak at one of his events. This has been two, two to three years ago. And at the end of it, he's like, hey, man, you should consider, you'll have to figure this out. He said, you should consider plugging yourself in as the go-to guy for active campaign in the space because a lot of people use it. You'll need to convince them to use it. There's nobody doing it the way you could. I took that. I ran with it. I developed the offer and worked my face off to, to get to where I am. Awesome. Good, good for you. Where do people go to get in touch with you to talk more about your services, which, I mean, everybody needs money for real estate deals. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the home base is intentionallyinspirational.com. It's our website. You can book a call with me there or check out the stuff we're going to do. Super. Love it. Okay. A couple more questions for you. Where do you see the business going or what is your vision for, for, for what you're doing right now? I mean, do you have, and maybe, maybe some personal stuff too, because I think that's important. Do you have a personal vision and you're building the business to align with it? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the funny thing is I, I re realized last, last year, last year was a year where I hit a revenue number monthly and annually. I never thought I would hit. And when I hit the monthly number, it was in March. There was like three days where I was just like empty inside. I was like, what is going on? Like, I thought this would feel amazing, but I feel nothing. And I realized that I'm a journey entrepreneur, not a destination entrepreneur. So I'm in love with the process and benchmarks. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. So, okay. Now I know that. I was going to keep raising the bar, but the biggest value 
for me, um, this last Christmas, we were able to adopt 12 kids from the Salvation Army and buy them Christmas. So my wife filled up a room from our house. We thousands and thousands of dollars blessing complete strangers for Christmas. And I was like, that's the coolest shit in the world. So for me, the impact on my team and their lives, I work with a bunch of military wives, their wives and moms and all that, of course, and my clients, uh, that's it for me. So it's not a dollar amount. It's uh, keep growing that so I can bless all these people in different ways. And really, I want to do what we've done with real estate investors. And I'd like to get a couple other industries where nobody's paying attention to what we see and we just keep going with it that way. I love it. I love it. The journey. It is It is about the journey, not the outcome. Just amazing that you shared that and good on you for helping people. Okay. Last uh, thought here, Jason, before we wrap up, this has been this has been great. I know the, the audience is going to get a, a ton of value out of this for sure. And inspiration too, because that's what, that's what we need. I'm an inspired guy. You know who's listening. Right? We talked a little bit about offline you know probably what's blocking them, what's stopping them. What advice would you lend to that group before we wrap up here? Yeah, I would say be careful who you share your dreams with. If you don't share your dreams with people that not only believe in you, but will do anything to support you, you're just setting yourself up for more roadblocks. Like the, the worst critic you have now is yourself anyway. I promise you there's a whole network of people out there who want to connect with other people like you and all they want to do is talk about the good stuff with this. So just be careful who you share your dreams with. You may find a spouse, you may find a, a good friend, a family member, a neighbor that are going to be negative when you talk about leaving your job. Well, you don't need to cut them out of your life per se. Just don't talk about that stuff, right? If you guys love football, just talk about football and, you know, whatever. So you, you need to be careful early on because that's when doubt's the highest in your mind. So hopefully that helps somebody. That does. That, that, that's a great reminder for me personally and uh, for everyone else listening. Jason, appreciate you, man. Thanks for, thanks yeah. for coming on. Check out intentionallyinspirational.com, guys, and make it a great day.